<laughs> I did some I did some Instagram uh, sleuthing digging around yeah okay and then uh, read a couple articles on you oh th- Ooh, I didn't know there were a couple articles to read about me yeah heck yeah <laughs> all right Okay, hello miners, and welcome to the 14th episode of Mining in the Foothills, where I'm on the search for dialectic gold with doers from around the Midwest. I'm Wes from Wally Opus, and my guest today is Hannah Evelyn, lead singer, songwriter, and guitarist of one of Southern Indiana's top indie rock bands, the Hannah Evelyn Trio. Uh, Let's see. Hannah's first album, Exposed Floors, hit streaming platforms in October of 2019, followed by two different five-song EPs released in October 2020 and October 2021. Something with October (laughs) and your releases. Uh, Over the past three to four years, Hannah and her bandmates, consisting of drummer Benji Coling and bassist Jared Majors Manley, which is a, those are great names for band band members. Yes. Uh, Have played shows across the Tri-State, including Parks Fest and venues like the Civic Theater, Boca Lounge, and Stage 2, where I'm about to have a show next month. Hannah is a native originally of Newburgh. Yeah, yeah. Sweet. And currently lives in Evansville. Yeah, that is all correct. You did your uh, proper research. <laughs> the last part was kind of a guess, but where she helps, uh, where she helps the great musicians of Southern Indiana find their perfect guitars as a team member of More Guitars. Yes, still accurate. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Sweet, Hannah. Thank you for doing this. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's always nice to see people who you know really want to try to start conversation with all of the surprisingly like dense amount of like musical talent we have around here. So yeah, thank you. Yes, you're welcome. And I was just telling somebody yesterday, uh, I don't know what we were talking about exactly, but I'm like, I, it, I am never, or I should say I'm always surprised. I never cease to be surprised by the number of people in Evansville doing cool shit, whether it's music, uh, or just like I met a guy the other day who wrote a book and then he said like then the next day I heard that it was on the Amazon bestsellers list. Oh, I'm wow. Like, Holy shit. Like <laughs> you're just around here just hanging out, you know. I think people kind of forget that Evansville at the heart of it is a town of transplants. Mm-hmm. You know, a bunch of people there. Of course, there are a lot of people who grew up in this area, but I know a ton of people who just by happenstance have ended up in this, uh, this area. And usually, of course, I always try to find the creatives, uh, but, um, you know, there's a great, uh, like music and art department with two different colleges here. Yes, that's true. Um, That's true. And of course I got to mingle with a bunch of those people because I got a studio art degree at USI. Okay. That's Um, cool. I didn't realize that. Yeah. So there's just, there's a bunch of people who find themselves in Evansville and they think that there's not going to be that much here. Um, But really in reality, you know, we're between all these, you know, bigger cities and people kind of find themselves here all the time. So I think people forget that a lot and think all of us just grew up here or something, you know? Oh yeah. No, you're exactly right. So, so let's, uh, let's go back. Let's go back in your history. And I read, then I don't know, but I'm not exactly sure. Is it true that like, maybe you picked up a guitar at your grandma's at the age of 13? Yeah. So, uh, my grandmother passed away when I was like one or two, very, very young. Um, but she 
was a musician. Um, actually, her 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 brother and my aunt, her daughter, okay. um, were all in a gospel trio in the fifties and sixties. And Sweet. yeah, they played. Uh, you know, they would go onto a local radio station in Kentucky and play every single Sunday morning uh, for their gospel trio and play in revivals all around the South. Um, so I have a very steeped history in of musicianship of men and women, uh, especially on my dad's side, which is, you know, she's the grandmother on my dad's okay, side. Okay, gotcha. So I was lucky enough um, to have a guitar. Um, Did she play guitar? Yeah, yeah. She oh, played guitar awesome. and sang. Um, and so I was able to have her guitar passed down to me there for a little while. Um, it resides elsewhere for the time being, but uh, with my <laughs> uncle, uh, I'll get it back eventually. Yeah, you got to. <laughs> you got to. That's a piece of history right there. Yeah, and just picked it up and uh, didn't tell anybody that I was learning for the first like two months that <laughs> I started In playing. In the closet about it. Yeah, I. you yeah. know, I thought I was being really, really sneaky, but my dad recently told me, he was like, oh yeah, I heard you. <laughs> just let you go though yeah <laughs> Didn't say anything yeah he let me kind of you know explore and figure stuff out on my own but yeah. <laughs> i was i thought i was being so slick and not telling anybody and keeping my little secret and my notes full of poetry and all this yeah. all this stuff am i allowed to curse oh yeah say whatever comes to oh mind. thank god yeah. Yeah. yeah all this bullshit that i was keeping <laughs> to myself of yeah. like you know all these emo thoughts that you have at 12 years old because yeah. life is really really hard then um <laughs> uh, at least that's what you think yeah yeah i mean it is hard. i feel it like is. we don't we there's don't a give, lot of transitions going yeah. on that is true we don't give en enough credit to 13 year olds man they've got it they don't know what they're doing and they've got a lot of responsibility on them and they're be lost. nice to a 13 year old yeah that's, yeah so were, were you a shy kid or were you pretty outgoing or were you like already kind of performing in any type of way like theater school anything like that yeah, per performing and uh, being a creative, like, young uh, person was always something that was encouraged uh, mm -hmm. in my family. And me and my sister were both musical, mm -hmm. and we were in, like, a children's choir, uh, very young. Um, we were, uh, we both grew up in church, so we were in church choirs, um, yep. you know, things like that. So we had uh, early exposure to, like, musicality and performance. Gotcha. Yeah. So it kind of was already around. Like, do you remember when you, wrote, like, sat down and wrote your first song? Or were you, you said maybe some poetry was already? Oh, yeah. I mean, horrible, just, like, obscene <laughs> poetry about how sad I was. But... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, Mr. So-and-so made me do my homework today. I don't yeah. know what it was about uh, looking yeah. back on it now, but um, Somebody I, didn't text you back or like yeah. <laughs> message you back or something. Yeah. Um, but I I remember writing my my first instrument was actually a piano. Okay, uh, and gotcha. So I wrote probably my first song when I was like 10 oh, on wow. piano before I had even picked up the guitar. Okay. Yeah. Sweet. Do you still play piano at all in Poorly. any capacity? Poorly. Do you play on any of your records? No, we have uh thank God a fantastic um like sleuth or swath of musicians to choose from here in Evansville. Um, yeah. We've had Joe Lugers uh on our past couple records who Okay, uh, I don't think I know Joe Lugers. He's fantastic. He um has worked 
I don't know if you were in the area when D'Alto's was still uh, around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, uh, him and his wife were instrumental in a lot of uh, the stuff that was happening at D'Alto's at the time. Okay. And he's a, a teacher here, a music teacher here locally as well as... Okay. Um, yeah, he's very extremely talented and uh, we have him play, thank God, yeah. on the records because he's just one take it, you know, everything's perfect. and Yeah. And he's like, oh, well, did that sound okay? And we're like... Joe, it's <laughs> <is> great. <laughs> so, so that's something I'm interested. Like, I feel like it takes a certain maturity level or self, um, I don't know, some sort of respect for the music to uh, to bring in other people to play on your record. Yeah, and to not try to. I mean, some people can do it all, and it's fucking great. But like other people, like I, I am a huge proponent now. Uh, like in my current days of like if somebody else can play it better on the record especially like what, yeah. if, what if you bring them in for the and then like you can learn the part mm-hmm. whoever it is for a live show or we could kind of break it down simpler or something yeah when it's set in stone though bring the you know the person who's better at it yeah have you always been like that with your records like have you always been collaborative and always i you know it's i think it's funny now I was just talking about this earlier today. I think it's funny that the current project I'm in has my name on it. Yeah. Because I have never wanted to be a solo act. Really? I, I hate it. I feel so naked. Yeah. <laughs> just like me and a guitar. It's so, it's too vulnerable for me most of the time. Um, I've you, always wanted to be. Did you perform much like that? I or did. I mean, I did that a lot. I feel like everybody has that, um, like, especially songwriters, you you have yeah. that exposure to just like sitting in front of people for three hours with you and a guitar and praying to God somebody is listening. <laughs> um, I know. It's, yeah. It's, I respect the hell out of people who, you know, make a career out of doing that because it can be soul sucking. Mm-hmm. But I always wanted it to be collaborative. The idea of bringing in people who not only change your stuff, but make it better. Yeah. And be able to bring in the right people who you trust um, to tell you when you're wrong. <laughs> to tell you nice and sweetly and lovingly. That right you're... in your ear. You know, hey, Hannah, you really fucked up right there. Like, <laughs> yeah, let's do that again. Yeah, or exactly. Or figure something out. <laughs> so, well, that takes me to uh, how did you how did you meet Benji and Jared? And, and at what point did they make their way into your trio now? Kind of a weird story, actually. Um, I had gone down to Austin, Texas solo, okay. the thing that I hate, yeah. <laughs> um, to play some uh, South by Southwest showcases okay. during that time period. You know, uh, When was this, you think? Tw- 2019 okay. is when I went down after solo. Your, okay. Yes. Before your record came out? It was, right, it was right after. Okay, gotcha. And actually at the time I had, like, I had, I've been in band since I was... 16 17 years old um and i had i think i had like just turned 21 in 2019 so uh i wasn't sure if i wanted to keep making music because i had gone down there by myself and you know that (laughs) soul-sucking solo stuff so i decided next year i wanted to take a band down with me but i didn't have a band (laughs) so i had asked Jared, he had come into the store and we had previously known each other in passing, but I knew him as a guitar player. 
Okay. And I said, hey, if you know anybody who's willing to play bass and come down with me to Texas for a week, let me know. And he's like, me. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. He's like, I would love that. Yeah. Um, and then Benji was referred to me by uh, a mutual friend who was also a drummer who couldn't make it. <laughs> okay, gotcha. Um, and we practiced and we were basically like the only people we saw for like three months there for a while, um, just getting ready to go down to South by Southwest and COVID. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. So we spent all this time. We had written new music um, and COVID hit. So obviously that put a damper on things, yeah. but it meant that we hold up and that was, they became my family at that point because we only got together that was the only thing we could do besides go home. Yeah. Um, but we were in our own like separate COVID bubble. Yeah. And we wrote cicada songs and that's what we did. That's awesome. Yeah. So yeah, I feel like that, uh, I was saying this before in a different episode, but I feel like a lot of people have their COVID record, mm -hmm. you know, and yeah. a lot of, a lot of artists have been, I guess, releasing that which was made. Yeah. when they were hunkered down over all that time so that you had that exact experience as well. Yeah. And you were in Vail with a pretty much a, a solidified trio. Well, yeah, we didn't, it was supposed to be kind of a temporary thing is, mm -hmm. you know, I didn't know if these would be the people that I would continue to take into a full band. Um, yeah. But after that experience of being together and writing together and figuring out how well we gelled, um, yeah, it was, that was it, you know? Um, and I feel like, yeah, artists are going to continue to make COVID, in, I hate to say inspired, <laughs> but, you know, COVID necessitated Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. yeah. The, the impact of COVID that COVID has had yeah. is going to keep influencing everybody's art, or a lot of people's art. For sure. Especially, yeah. I mean, us creatives, and we just desire connection. And for a very not insignificant amount of time we were denied it yeah so for artists to really process that i think that takes a while and figuring out what connection and communication really means to each other yeah um because we can all sit and make music you know in our bedrooms and keep it to ourselves why do we want to go and share it with other people what's the desire um and so i think when when you're denied it and you don't have the choice to share it, yeah, you finally have to realize why you want to do it. So, 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 like in your case, when you were hunkered down during COVID writing these songs, um, did you think that you would then be able to go out and perform them, or were you like, well, no matter what, I, like, whatever, I'm like, we're gonna make a record and like release it on Spotify, or were you, like, were you concerned that maybe live shows? Cause I know a lot of artists yeah. were like, well, this might be the end of that. Yeah. I, I, there was that huge conversation about, is this the end of live music for the foreseeable future? Yeah. Um, and I think everybody was shitting their pants. At, oh my like, gosh. All, yeah. the, all the venue owners and a lot of, I know a lot of, I mean, sadly a lot of venues went under. Yeah. Yeah. I just heard the news about like exit in. <laughs> Me and too. that's so sad. Yeah. Um, I'm worried. Well, which leads to a whole nother conversation of um, like large conglomerates buying up yeah. smaller venues. Because I know that as somebody who books shows, 
um, it's hard to get gigs at venues owned by Live Nation. Yeah. Uh, for me, at least, because I don't fucking know anybody at Live Nation. Exactly. Yet. So like. If I send an in, if I send an email to info at Live Nation, <laughs> nobody <laughs> looks at it. Yeah, and it like it's like I'm sure it's easy for the people who work with live like bands who work with Live Nation to get gigs at Live Nation esque events, but like or uh, venues. But I saw somebody said like there's a possibility that Live Nation might buy uh, exit in, oh. which would keep it alive, which yeah. is great. But it's like it's, it's also like. I don't know how that benefits much. Uh, I think, you know, we've, I don't know. we've experienced this democratization of releasing music. Mm-hmm. Anyone can release music now. Yeah. You can put it on every single platform and somebody across the world can hear your music. Yeah. And that wasn't the case beforehand. Right. And we're still facing barriers for independence um, on booking, on, you know, making those connections with people in the outer industry. Um, I don't know the answer to that, of course, because I'm the art maker and not yeah. the problem solver of, you know, that. But it, I think we're starting to feel a push from it of now all of these artists who have gained a following by themselves, you know, by releasing their own music. Mm-hmm. And the booking side of things is a whole other animal. Well, that's what, like, something I've thought a lot about recently, recently being a couple months, is like... Uh, looking elsewhere for venues as in not <clears throat> not like buildings <clears throat> or facilities that are not necessarily designated yeah. as music venues, but like <clears throat> figuring out um, like, for example, I wanted to throw a show and feature some bands that I know. So yeah. I couldn't get a gig. I couldn't get a, uh, a place in Nashville to do it because I was really wanting to go there because a couple people I know in Nashville said they would come. That which would be great for the bands that are there for sure but i couldn't get that it just everybody was booked up and i get it but uh then i'm like well i'll just rent a venue in evansville and then and from doing that stage two then i'm like oh maybe they should do this more in other cities and like see what happens you know or do this more around town um because i do think that there is a lot of people who want to play these shows yeah who uh, and I just don't even know how else to build a scene or how to build up the scene than like we have to have more shows, more stuff going on locally uh, and then start branching that out, but also inviting people in and like yeah. getting the flow going. For sure. You know? I think the like the independent scene can only benefit from people, more people doing independently made and like constructed shows and also all ages shows. Yes. Um, you know, it's, it's really, really difficult when, and also I know a lot of people nowadays that are sober, especially coming out of COVID, um, that don't want to be in a bar environment constantly. Um, <laughs> and it's limiting. It, it is limiting to bands to only be able to play like alcohol based environments. Yeah. Um, because there's a certain, energy that kind of comes with that it's not good or bad it's just it is what it you know you can't do everything at a bar um well i i thought the same thing about um there's a like just looking ahead to next year i'm like it's always the same thing for like for our like being in the local scene yeah the selection is so small because and it's 
I mean, first of all, I should say, thank God we even have venues and bars who allow local people to play. Oh, for like, sure. It's a huge blessing. But yes. like to build an actual scene, the, the kids can't come to to um, like call even young college kids, high school kids who are music people. Like yeah. so much of their lives, a lot of them, their lives revolve around music and they can't come to these shows. So it creates like a really hard spot for the artist who know that they want to connect with these younger audiences or bands who like don't have 21 year old kids or I mean 21 year old people, you know, they're like younger kids. They like, where the fuck are they supposed to play? I mean, for sure. I felt that I, you know, like I said, I've been in bands since I was like 16 years old. Yeah. Um, and it's really, it's really difficult. It is doable and it it is legal. Um, as far as like trying to navigate all of those different barriers, but for, you know, under 21s to be playing in bars. Um, but it's hard to, you know, your friend group and stuff is not going to be of that age. So Yeah. yeah, it's, like you might get the gig, but nobody like your fans, your yeah. actual fans probably aren't coming because they're in high school or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I deal with that a lot. Or I, it's a situation I face a lot managing the strangers mm-hmm. in town because half of them aren't 21. So <laughs> like, and, and they're like locally, the venues are pretty cool about it. But like, if you go out of town, a lot of venues are like straight, you yep. know, 21, no exceptions. Yeah. It's it's crippling too to a lot of like young people who have those desires to play out and understand what it is to be a working musician. Yeah. Um, because I had, like I said, because I had that unique opportunity of playing young, when I started bringing other people into my projects that weren't, they didn't grow up being in bands and playing out live and working. Yeah. Um, they would also have unreasonable expectations. Yeah. Which is really, really hard to manage. Mm-hmm. Um, like what, what, what comes to mind when you think about that? Like, did they like what? Did they expect certain gigs and stuff? Or oh yeah, I yeah I had that there was packed houses every you know yeah either just like audience attendance or like venue location of like where we'll be playing and and you know you do have to put in a lot of groundwork and it's take what you can get not easy but it's a lot. Uh, easier to understand when you got to grow up with it and understand what that means. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like too, if you know what that means, then you can also, and if you've been around it for a minute, you can reflect back to your bandmates. Like this is a marathon, not a sprint. Like oh, we're yeah. playing the long game. Every, every show we're just getting better. It's just constantly building towards the next thing and people are going to notice. And then all it takes is like somebody in your corner to recognize what you're up to and then fight for you, you know. So, so let's let's go to um, somebody who's in your corner, who I know, and he's a great guy, Steve Tyner. Oh yeah. So, so how did you what? How did you get hooked up with Steve um, initially? Do you remember? Yeah. So I, when I made Exposed Floors, uh, it was kind of an album out of necessity, of having okay. all of these songs that I knew I wanted to record. But I didn't have any money, yeah. and uh, <laughs> uh, and I didn't have a band, so I made these tracks. Everything was, you know, all the instrumentation was me. Okay. And then they sounded like dog shit because they weren't properly mixed or mastered. <laughs> yeah. So I had Steve's name recommended to me, and uh, I told him what I was needing, 
And he was like, there is so much here. He was the person who was like, these, this is, there's something here. It's raw <laughs> and I can, you know, fix it up. He's like, but Hannah, these are great. Oh, that's awesome. Um, And he did them for me. Didn't even like, I don't think I even paid him, which of course now every single chance I get to be like, please, what's your rates? Like I, I want to make sure that this is, you know, as <laughs> totally yeah. above board as possible, but I don't even think he made me pay him at the time. And that's uh, awesome. he just made him sound as best as they could be for what they were. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and ever since then, like every single thing that we've recorded has gone through him because he knows how like us as a band works. He understands the vision for like the overall sound. Mm -hmm. Um, and he's just a wonderful like friend, you know, even outside of any, anything musical we would ever do together. You know, the Steve and, uh, Andrea, his wife are just beautiful people yeah. who are a pleasure to be around. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. When I first, let's see, I think when I first got back into town, I, oh, I was, uh, I was gonna like start my company. Like I was gonna start Wally Opus. And I remember calling like some, like the small business bureau. I don't even know. Development center, small business development center is what it is. And she's like, uh, so I did, I did like some research on other record labels in town and stuff. Some of them are, are uh, studios and stuff. Some of them are defunct now, like they're not uh, existent. There's one though, uh, Black Cat Recording, yes. and I'm like, what's that? So then I looked it up, and then I, I think I messaged him or something, and then he was like, super nice. Come on over, see this. This is what he had his old place. Yeah, come see the uh, like my little studio and hang out and. Uh, we just talked about the music, like local music scene. And he, he, uh, I think that day he was actually mixing a sluice record. Oh yes. And he's like, check out the, check this out. But then he sent me a few artists that he had worked with and you were one of the, I guess it was exposed floors yeah. probably at the time. But, uh, yeah, that was my first time listening to, to your music. Well, I'm glad that I had such a positive introduction. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Him. No, it was great. And like, yeah. And he, Steve's always been somebody too. Where like, like one time I was, uh, I was recording a band in a living room at a house and we needed longer cables. Oh, and I no. was like, I don't have any money to go buy them. So I called Steve. I'm like, would you lend me like five <laughs> cables he's like yeah dude come on over what do you need like oh like, he was so nice so i think that's that's guy. really indicative of how like not i wouldn't say desperate but like how like we're all so driven here locally to help each other especially original acts um every yeah. every original band that i've gotten the pleasure of like working with and making just genuine friends with we're all in each other's corner. Like I listen to Sluice's records, you know, I, <laughs> yeah. um, I listen to a modest proposal and I listen to like all of these wonderful local bands that are making incredible music. Yeah. Um, and they listen to my stuff too. So it's, it's a real beauty to see the like desire for community that we have here. Mm -hmm. Um, especially because that has changed. Mm -hmm. That is not something that has always been the case here of people being a little against each other and oh yeah i've heard some stories about that shit yeah but nowadays um it is totally a like tight-knit community of people who are 
welcoming and want to play shows together and yeah. want to try to create something really cool because we know what we have. We know we have this like beautiful net of really talented and diverse musicians. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, and like somebody, somebody too that comes to mind that is a um, like a like a like a kind of like a glue of the community is Tommy Ellis. Like with news yes. for you. Oh he, yeah. Because he writes about. I send him shit like I've been sending him shit all the time and he's like, yeah, let me squeeze this in here. Let me squeeze this in here. But (laughs) like he, he writes about new bands. He writes about existing stuff. He gets like really big interviews sometimes with like big bands that are coming through to the Ford center and stuff. But then he, he like sits down with new acts, you know, like that are just their first record. He's Mm going to introduce them. But I feel that, uh, he is somebody like when I read his stuff, I'm like, he takes this stuff so like I was reading yeah. his review of um both of your last EPs, and it's just like so serious and so like not serious, boring like serious, like he takes you serious. Oh yeah, especially yeah when when you're talking about like local things being reviewed by local people, there is that kind of dismissive aspect of like, yes. oh, well, it's not that important. Yes. Or like, yeah, it's just whatever. It's some, you know, band that plays here all the time. No, he listens. He cares about this stuff. He is a really great, um, diverse catalog of things that he references. Yeah. Um, so you, when you say serious, I totally understand what you mean as far as actually like giving these bands the legitimacy they deserve. Yes. Agreed. And I think like him being part of that publication is so good for the local community because like everybody gets a chance to get highlighted. If you're, if you're like, I don't know. I feel like if you're somebody who takes yourself serious, he's like, Oh yeah, I I recognize. Yeah. (laughs) I'll I'll share your stuff. Yeah. You know, I think it's just, sometimes I wonder, um, what, like on my last podcast i was talking to an old friend who i grew up with and we grew up in fort branch down the road yeah and so uh we were talking about how when we were in high school like if you had a band there is nowhere to play no except at your house except for we had like one small little venue that was it was called fifth quarter and it was (laughs) supposed to be like a place for kids to go after the game on Friday. Oh my gosh. Where it was like no, you know, no drinking. It was like a safe, uh, like a safe place to go. I love this like sitcom level, like (laughs) image that I'm getting in my head. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And, and like they would have, yeah. I mean, it was like theme nights, you know, like they'd have like, uh, just dances and like other random shit. Uh, but they would sometimes let us have shows there. Yeah. So like I was DJing in high school, so I would DJ a show and like oh my maybe gosh. my friend who had a band would like play a set too. Yeah. But we were, what we were talking about was like, thank God that that existed because if that didn't exist, we would have not done any, like there would be nothing to yeah. have do, you know, to do with what we had going on. And so I think about the people who do st- stuff like that. It's like, it's such an important role in this small little area, like what Tommy does or like what Steve does. It's like a huge role of a small community, but without them, it wouldn't, they're like the, they're like the linchpins that keep the thing together. You Absolutely. Know? I, I was talking with my dad who my, uh, is a huge influence on my life and in my, uh, music as far mm-hmm. as being a great supporter, um, 
and who having a background in um like running sounds for he was on the dixie chicks first tour oh wow yeah and to the point where he was there when they dropped wide open spaces and watched them go from uh yeah, just like absolute stardom. He said, like he said that like his favorite moment was watching them get their first tour bus. Oh my god! Going from like a, a crappy RV to a legitimate like tour bus. Yeah, that's badass. Um, <laughs> so someone who has a background in supporting artists. Yeah, and and you know he was in bands and and these other things, but at at the heart of it, we have the conversation of, you know, the creatives have such an important role. You know, they're the they're the people out in front. Yeah. But without those people behind you, you know, creating the structure and creating a platform where those artists actually have the room and the space to do what they do, yeah. it all falls apart. Mm-hmm. Um, and as much as I feel like we idealize, you know, the people, all of the artists and creatives doing those things at the very forefront. Yeah. Um, those those other skills are just as important, and they sh- they should. It's also something that we have to think about when we're constructing a local scene mm-hmm. is um, who is the underlying structure because that def- that's going to define how the rest of everything else grows mm-hmm. um, and how do we cultivate that? How do we bring more people into that structure and make it feel important and make it feel legitimate, you know? Yeah, um, and loving and caring and like... Uh, and a warm glass of milk that your mom brings to you. Every <laughs> na- Sorry. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but you know, you are like, totally right though. Making it feel like a welping, welcoming environment. Yeah. Yes. And like the, and I was an artist, uh, when I was younger. So I know how it feels to not get paid for shit or to like, like I was just talking to somebody about this recently. And I think this is, and I don't know really why some people do it. I mean, I think I know why, but I think it's greedy, but like the one thing I remember getting an offer for a show one time when I lived in Miami and they said, uh, you have to sell like 50 or 60 tickets to come to the show. I'm like, I don't even know 60 people in Miami. Exactly. Like, yeah. And it was like, if you don't sell this many tickets, you have to pay like two fifty or like 300 bucks. I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like I have to pay you (laughs) to play the show. I don't know. Like when I, so it's just like not doing that type of stuff. I feel like you know everybody I mean? like has that horror story. Cause I have the same exact story of like walking up to a band at the end of the night who were in, I guess they were from Chicago or something. I would name mm-hmm. drop them if I even remembered their, their name, <laughs> but I don't. Um, and we were playing in Bloomington and the same thing I went up and I asked, I was like, Hey, so, you know, what's the money situation for tonight? Just want to make sure everything's clear and above board. And yeah. they were like, well, you didn't sell enough tickets. So like, you're not getting paid. And I was like, you're kidding me, right? Mm. Cause the only people that were in that building were people that I had brought in. <laughs> yeah. But apparently it wasn't enough. And yeah, I was like, wow, you guys really took home all of this and didn't bring in a single person yourself. Did you? Yeah. So never again. But you're right. Like having people who go against that structure to begin with is really important. But once you get fooled once or screwed over once, like it doesn't happen again. Like you, you, you can smell or you can mile away. (laughs) No, you can smell it and it's stanky and it's gross. And it smells like executives in an office somewhere who decided this is how it should go. Yeah. Yeah. It smells. Well, and so like one time I remember playing a show in Fort branch when I was like, I think I was either just, 
I don't even, I think I was like visiting home and I played like around Christmas time or something, mm-hmm. but it was like, uh, this older guy who I looked up to cause he, you know, he had his own songs and he was a singer songwriter. He had done some stuff in Nashville, which when you don't know anything, you're like, Oh God, dude, oh, you went to Nashville. to Nashville. <laughs> yeah. Which could have literally meant that he just went there. You yeah. Know? Like, doesn't mean that he did. <laughs> I busted on Broadway. I know yeah. more. But, but after the show, it was a similar situation where like yeah. I invited all of my friends and family. And then after the show, uh, I asked the bar people like, are you guys paying us tonight? Because I knew that they charged at the door and they're like, we already paid. I almost said his name, but I'm not going to, but <laughs> we already paid him and he gives you your cut and he was gone. And I tried to get a hold of him, nothing. And then like last year, uh, during the fall festival, uh, sorry, that's the AC unit. We're, <laughs> we're trying to build a closet to like shut that thing up, <laughs> but we're just not there yet. But I saw him at fall at the fall festival last year and I forgot and I saw him and I'm like, Oh, Hey, like it was like, you're he was right in front of me. I'm like, Hey, he's like, Oh, Hey. And it, like, I remembered as I was oh, like, no, Hey, <laughs> and you guys just stared at each other for the next 20 minutes going, Hey, Hey, <laughs> hey. <laughs> but it was like so awkward. Um, yeah, it's just, I don't, I don't like how I felt that moment. So I don't want to put other people in that position. Wait, yeah. Cause it's easy to do. Like if you're like a promoter type person or, you know, if you're like hosting a show, it's like, well, you just play. Right. And that's a, you know, that's a, a great moment of empathy that you have for, you know, people coming down the line. Um, I, I totally lost my train of thought. <laughs> That's okay. I got this. I got this. Cause I want to go back to something that kind of skipped over, but talking, let's call it poetry early on in your life, but yes. songwriting, uh, maybe you still write poetry. Oh, it's very bad. I, I, well, I shouldn't say it's very bad. I had a, uh, a solo exhibition of artwork that was accompanied by a poem on oh, each really? one. So I've grown a little bit more confident in my poetry slash songwriting lyric, you know, writing. Yeah, I, I well, so I enjoy your lyric writing. Like, Thank you. Like I saw the, uh, uh, like the Instagram post where it was kind of like on a notepad. Or yeah, a the handwritten, handwritten lyrics. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Was that was that specific? Were those specific things like something you just did after the fact, or was that the actual songwriting? No, I do not write songs that aesthetically pleasing. I wish yeah. I did. Yeah. Um, no, that was a. It was more of an exercise of like writing these lyrics and trying to kind of um, show how they exist in my brain a little bit mm. and kind of the imagery that comes out for me. Yeah. Um, but thank you. I, I definitely consider lyric writing probably the most important of my songwriting process. So I, I always really appreciate that when other creatives uh, give that compliment, it. you know? Yeah. yeah. So So what is, like, what does your process look like in terms of, so for example, you, you're, you've been working on a new record or is it, is it done yet? Um, it is in the process. Um, we currently, so we just finished recording a, uh, old songs that were never done as a full band. Okay. Um, so that we're now re-recording them as a full band. Um, okay. and then we're in the process of writing new, uh, new music itself, which is about halfway done. Okay. So what does writing new music look like? for you and your band today so as far as 
the the songs are about 75 to 80 percent done when i bring them to the band okay um i've figured out the structure the chord progressions things like that um and probably most of the lyrics i'll sometimes rewrite some lyrics here and there but the songs are mostly done before they make it to the band and then the band usually um we sometimes will compose things a little bit different we'll add some instrumental things here and there that i just don't think of or I don't hear with uh, just me and a guitar um, and yeah the, the the boys have such a different like musical background to me so it's always a, a real joy to hear their insight and figure out what they're going to bring to the songs that I've you know done by myself for this whole period of time and then till it gets to them yeah so what does uh, what does like conception look like for you for lyrics and songwriting like do you is you're like okay, I'm gonna write a rec. I'm gonna I'm gonna make a record. You set out and you write songs, or is it like just you're always writing, or like? Yeah, it's kind of a constant process for me. I um, have a <laughs> just an absolute obscene uh, amount of notes in my phone as far as like little bits of lyrics here and yeah. there, or just words that I'm kind of fascinated by together. Um, yeah. I also because I'm an a visual artist the like writing and musical process really go hand in hand a lot of all be thinking about um, visual things and how to describe them the way that I want them described. Or uh, I see something visual and I want to, I want to get the essence of that, of why it strikes me so deeply. Um, So yeah, it's a, it's kind of inspiration from all forms, but it always kind of, it's a constant process for me. So you think, you think in uh like I just learned this recently, pe- people think in images or words. You're an image. <laughs> yeah. I think, I mean, I think I'm both. I think it, it, that's the, th- people always would ask me, they're like, okay, but for real, if you could only pick art or music, which one would you pick? And I'd be like, no, they're the, they're the same <laughs> they're like thing. They're like one and the same for you. Yeah, they they coexist for sure. Um, I, I guess if I had to choose, it would be in images, but the words themselves are like... Linked to yeah, the... Yeah, yeah, because communication is so important to me. And uh, it was always emphasized from an early age of like saying exactly what you mean mm-hmm. and describing things as, you know true to what you feel as possible um is that your parents telling you that or is that y- like a little yourself bit telling you that or both both my i mean my parents definitely were a like um emphasis on education and you know my mom would read to us every single night until we were old enough to read books by ourselves and then we would read by ourselves every single night um you know, and I'm still like a, a fairly avid reader today. Yeah. So trying to really appreciate how deeply we can connect with each other through words, I mm-hmm. think it's always been an important thing in my life. Do do uh, do do you think that reading? So I, I people have told me because we have a son; he's a uh-huh. year and a half old. And when we before we had him, people told us to read to him at night yeah. to develop his language quicker and like. But not only that, but it's a nice way to spend some time together of course. before bed and to wind down and stuff. But um, do you feel like that that really helped you? Absolutely. Uh, understand language and words and 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, I am not a parent, but I'm about to give you unsolicited parent advice. No, I'm just <laughs> yeah, kidding. <go> ahead. I'm <laughs> <done>. <laughs> I'll take whatever I can get. <laughs> oh, man. You, I have nothing but respect for <laughs> parents. You guys are doing the hardest job of all time. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. It's also, it's also, uh, I think, something that I, uh, I'm recognizing with myself, uh, with like parents our generation, a lot of them at least. Because uh, like the generation above us in their forties and stuff, I feel like there's a lot of, not everybody, obviously there's, there's, um, but the, it's like, then I don't know. I, I want to say there's more coddling or something or like, in, like not, not coddling, but almost like you have to do everything for the kid. Whereas like, I feel like me, like in some of my friends who have kids, it's more like, no, that child, like that child is amazing. And like, it like, if you kind of just stay out of the way and keep it safe and like yeah. healthy, they'll show you who they're going to be. Yeah. It's going to blossom into this incredible being versus like, you know, can't do that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't really know what I'm trying to say, but like, yeah, yeah. it's, it's hard job, but it's also not that, not that di like difficult. If that makes I sense. I understand what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. I think, um, well, of course I don't understand because I don't have any children. Yeah. But uh, you kind of get the. Yeah. As gist. far as like being able to, like from an early age, try to facilitate creativity and individuality is something yeah. that's, you know, my my parents gave both me and my sister the freedom to respect us and treat us like adults very quickly. Not in they put too much pressure on us, but treat us like we were human and we had our own thoughts and we had our own goals and expectations. Um, and being able to honor that, I think really aided in a lot of like my creative thinking today Yeah. of not being, not being too scared to shy away from what feels inherently like myself. Mm. Um, because I think sometimes we're like, <laughs> we're a little scared to be seen with our pants down, honestly. Yeah. yeah. And music and art and creative endeavors are literally getting up in front of people standing reading your diary with your pants down that is what it is and <laughs> yes metaphorically speaking i totally oh, understand you don't, you don't do that <laughs> well i not always no, okay. yeah. <laughs> not, but it's vulnerable yeah, it's such it a is. hard place to be um it definitely is but in what's funny is i just so i didn't want to retreat this pack past weekend and I wrote a letter to my son. Oh, and what a course, lovely exercise. Yeah, of yeah. course he can't read it and he doesn't get it, but one day hopefully he does. And what I wrote was like, I wrote everything that I want for him in his life. Yeah. Not like super specific, like I want you to be a uh, good basketball player. A doctor, player. Like lawyer, some, dentist? Yeah, like I don't want <laughs> you to be anything, that, yeah. whatever. But like at the end I wrote... Uh, but like most importantly, whatever, whatever you do in your life, I just want you to do like what's inherently true to you. Like yeah. do your thing. Like that's it. Like go on your journey. Don't go on somebody else's journey. Don't go on my journey because, because, because I was your dad or like I do what you did. Like, yes, m like f follow in other people's footsteps, like model what other people did to learn from them. But like do your thing that. And like, I think that's what, you know, like what you're saying reminds me of that too. It's like, encourage your kid to really be themselves and, and be authentic, like to who they are and just carve their own path, you know? Yeah. 
be brave, like do this thing, you know? I think that's also something that we don't give enough leeway to adults to do either, Mm -hmm. especially in regards to trying new things. Um, One of the beauties of being able to work at a guitar shop is seeing people at every single (laughs) age and every single place in life pick up a guitar. Yeah, that's awesome. Because you have have no idea where it's going to take you. You're going to suck. It's gonna, you're gonna sound awful and you're not gonna be able to play any song at first. You know, like, your fingers are not gonna work. Yeah. But like, give people the freedom to be bad at something. Yeah. You do. (laughs) We, I feel like we often get, have this pressure to, um, especially with hobbies in general, um, to, commodify them you know make it into a like profitable hobby of some sort yeah um that's kind of the just the state of like most people's uh checkbook nowadays um but like the ability to be bad at something and be okay with being bad at something and also be okay that the fact that the only thing you get out of it is that you have fun and that you enjoy yourself right that is something that is like it takes like humbleness to be like, okay, oh my I'm, I'm going to sit down and play the guitar really bad for the next two hours just because I want to like get a little bit better. And just hopefully, because it's fun. Yeah. And then yeah. at the end you like strum a chord or you play like a small chord progression. You're like, Ooh. And yeah. And yeah, the that joy. Actually and kinda, that, yes. Yeah. But into, I feel like in like really deep down, most people, when you meet somebody who's mm-hmm. like at 48 and they're like, I just bought a guitar and I'm going to learn I'm going to learn how to play. It's like, if you're open to, unless you're like a judgmental asshole, then you're like, what the fuck are you playing? You know, but yeah. if you're open to it, it's like, that's cool. Like what made you, yeah. did you always want to play? You know, like if you're curious, it's yes. like, oh, that's pretty freaking cool. Like, yeah. yeah. I am so like, I strive to still like at every single age in life, be able to try new things and, mm. you know, just be okay like I said, being bad at something. Um, I think the we had somebody who started their first guitar lesson at like at like seventy five or something. Oh it was gosh. their first ever guitar lesson, and uh, he was just like, "Yeah, I, well, I'm retired. I don't have anything else to do." I was like, "Okay, buddy." Yeah, like, that's badass. Yes, that's awesome. <laughs> I mean, I wish. I hope I have that level of like. Just like curiosity and just yeah. uh, interest to just try new things, not to be an old, boring. You will. Person. You'll be so old and boring. Yeah, I and hope <laughs> not. God. But so, uh, so let's see. Let's let's go back to uh, to something. So, I feel like in the articles I read about you, and then from my own interpretation of your music, or like taking in of your music. Your voice is a standout <laughs> aspect of your work. Thank like, you. That is a real. So, did you? How have you developed your voice? Or did you take lessons? Or were you? Yeah. So, um, like I said, I I had a lot of more, uh, not necessarily strict, but a little bit more guided um, kind of training uh, as a young child in. Like I said, church choirs. Um, we were in the Evansville Children's Choir, which was, uh, I think it's still around. I, uh, but I don't know. It's, um, it's a, I, I don't want to say prestigious, but you do have to like audition for it, which something when you're, 
you know, eight, nine, 10 years old, whatever is a, you know, that's something that's a barrier. Yes. Um, And me and my sister both did that as children. So we had, uh, you know, access to theory and, Mm. um, you know, other types of vocal training that not everybody gets. Um, I took private piano lessons as a kid, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to take vocal lessons for some reason. I don't know why. Um, and then later I think I did do some vocal and piano lessons a little bit, um, to my teacher that was right around the corner. She was a very nice lady who, uh, I think she was the music instructor at the Catholic school I went to, Okay, which, uh, did not stay Catholic, but yeah. I at least kept all the training. Yeah. Uh, oh, music training. <laughs> yeah. It's serious training in a lot of ways when you're, when you're a kid yeah. you know, going through that. It is. And you know, uh, I think I do take for granted sometimes because I do consider myself very self-taught in a lot of aspects, uh, yeah. that I was exposed to that basic, basic knowledge of theory and, uh, how to properly sing from a, you know, a, a healthy part of your body. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a lot of singers who don't have that and they end up wearing themselves out because it, you know, they're just not singing in a way that is good for longevity. Um, but as far as all of like my modern, like rock singing, yeah. um, that was definitely trial and error. <laughs> who, who would, who would be some of your, who, who, let's see, how should I say this? Like, you were singing. Mm-hmm. You, there was you before, but then what? What pushed you into indie rock and 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 taking on that 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 persona, those vocals? Yeah, because there's a little bit of that in your first record already, like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, and then it oh, for really sure. takes. I mean, I think by the the sound fills out, I guess by the EP, yes, you know. probably by the time that I was you know. 19, 20 years old. Like I said, I had been in bands for a little bit. I had gotten to figure out what I was doing. But those early introductions were totally Haley Williams from Paramore. Yeah. I mean, fuck yeah. What a fantastic, like, rock and honestly multi genre vocalist to look yeah. up to as a kid. I'm so grateful. Um, and to see, like, where her career has taken her. Um, a, an absolute, like, wonderful inspiration to look up to as a kid. Heck yeah. Um, I seen them play one time. Bonnaroo. Oh, you. It went crazy. Yeah, they went crazy. Yeah. I I wanted to see her live uh, quite a bit, especially she she put out a lot of solo stuff recently that has just been, like, hit me at the right time in the right place and, you know, really. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. But, yeah, Haley Williams from Paramore, it was, like, and especially one of the few, like, voices, female voices in – rock that was younger you know like not looking at as as much as i love um you know heart or pat benatar or like the some of the more like classic voices that you associate with rock music yeah um you know having her was always a really great person to look up to Um, much more relatable sort of than like joan jett or something you know it's like yeah because to me you know i'm if i was 15 16 years old yeah it's cool to look at the person who is you know doing the thing but somebody that's really not that far in age for me is yeah. was really like special but that, then again I also uh, my dad exposed me and my sister to a lot of stuff so uh, you know Cheryl Crow Nancy Griffin I love Cheryl Crow yeah um, all of these fantastic like rock artists like I mean they're considered you know that kind of like singer songwriter almost country at times but like if you listen to their vocals they're pure um they're not like 
they're altos, they're not sopranos, when a, a lot of pop music and a lot of rock music is dominated by uh, soprano vocalists. Yeah. To be an alto vocal and hear those strong, uh, deep voices at that time. Um, so that like that is a great like place to look at. Do, um, so do these do these same figures influence your songwriting at all? I I think they have to. I yeah. mean, um, like Cheryl Crow affects my own <laughs> or has affected my own writing. Yeah. You know, just because I'm like, God damn it, she's fucking badass. The ability but, to write like a killer hook, you know, is something that I don't feel like I'm the greatest at, but I strive for because that's the thing that, you know, when everybody's, excuse me, when a whole venue is able to like sing a chorus together and there's that sense of community and um, like nothing feels better. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, Cause like what make, what makes you think come to mind is like, I wonder how it was like the first time Cheryl Crow stepped up to a crowd after, um, her song "If It Makes You Happy." Oh my God! And like that's that course. Yeah, if it makes you happy. Like yeah. when I, I remember listening. <laughs> I listened we know to it. That. We know it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I listened to it over the summer at a Starbucks, and I don't even know why. I was just listening to it, and I just had this moment of like, like I think my hair kind of stood up in my arms. I'm like, holy shit! Like yeah. this is. Whew, I get it kind of the chills thinking about it, but like, mm -hmm. so, so when you're, uh, well, what's funny is there was a, there was a quote from Tommy Ellis saying that you're one of your hooks, one of your courses, he's like, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a course that Taylor Swift would have killed to have, or like, he like, <laughs> said, he like he said something I think he like was that. talking about kind, if I remember right. Okay. Okay. And um, actually, I think you're right. Yeah. But yeah. And it's funny because like, I, I mean, of course, like every, uh, you know, teenage girl at the time, I owned a Taylor Swift record. Yeah. Um, but she was never somebody that I like consistently looked to. Yeah. I think because I wanted to push away from the girl with the guitar, like kind of uh, persona. Yeah. Because like I said, I, I always wanted to be in a band. That's what I wanted. I didn't want to be just like, you know, the girl who has a hired gun, you know, hired gun band behind her. Yeah. Um, and that's never been you know, the case, like, e like I said, even though this project that I'm in has my name on it, we are the band, like the Hannah Evelyn trio is a band and it's a unit and it doesn't change. Yeah. Um, it's always what it is. So you're the face of it and the name of it, but I can tell on social media, even like, yeah, all of your, or most of your recent posts, I think there is, the band is around in a lot For of sure. ways. Well, yeah. So I just thought of this too the decision to go rent a cabin. Yeah. <laughs> that is like every, I mean, I've talked to at least three bands about that in the past about just oh, like yeah. the idea of doing that because like, you know, the chili peppers recorded their record. Um, fuck, where was it at? It was like in a house out in California. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think, um, we're all very busy people. Um, so the only way we were going to be able to, like get down to business in the way that we did when COVID, you know, first happened and we wrote cicada songs was to carve out a block of time. Yeah. Say fuck off to the world and dedicate, you know, that time to each other and to the music. That was the way that we all knew that would be like the way that we would best collaborate. Um, and get it like, and 
get yeah. down the way with it. Yeah. Get it developed. So we, yeah, we rented a cabin out in uh, Red River Gorge, Kentucky, which is beautiful, by the Where's way. Where's that at? Um, I... <laughs> Look how fast the fucking hour oh my goes. Gosh. I mean, literally, we just blew through an hour. Yeah. We'll keep going. Um, I can't quite remember where it's at honestly but a, a a little bit down into uh kentucky not quite to gatlinburg okay because i think it was only like a two and a half a three hour drive it was not too it was not too long um but yeah we brought all of our gear uh and enough it. gear to uh run run through a, a mixer and record it for uh just you know like Demo. rough rough demos yeah, yeah. Which was a goal that we like also wanted to do because we really haven't done much demoing. Um, we've practiced and practiced and practiced enough to go record, um, and it's tight when we go and record. But we haven't had any like reference tracks before then to know how it's really going to sound. Um, so, did do you think that like well, it's just interesting that you bring this up because the last re- <clears throat> the last record I made with a uh, local singer songwriter named Swamp Eyes, he came in with full demos of every song and it oh my like gosh. that was the first time this has ever happened for me we're like yeah we always have i mean this consistently people have demos as reference like yeah this is kind of what i'm going for but his was like like to the click and everything it was it was almost like we remade the tracks <laughs> that he had yeah and just filled them out but for it was sure. like i loved having the demo because we could go back if we were like stuck, we would go back and be like, okay, I kind of like, actually let's stick with yeah. what the demo had, you know, did, did it change your process? Um, so we haven't gone in to record those songs yet, but it has okay. changed my ability to kind of sit with them a little bit, mm-hmm. um, as opposed to just kind of have them in my brain. Um, but yeah, we, we went in and we, we, we demoed and we wrote six songs, uh, in the time that we were there. That's awesome. Which is, you know, uh, I think usually like when we sit down, you know, you a couple hours, you get through like one song or so, Yeah. but we wrote down and we, we wrote six. So, <laughs> um, and yeah, I think that process hopefully is something that we can continue to do in the future because it was so productive. And I think, yeah, having those demo tracks now makes us stronger going into record. Um, and it gets us excited about the stuff that we're making because we can all like go back and listen to it and kind of pick it apart a bit more. Yeah, share on it. Yeah. So do you think that, for example, being on this retreat, there was this like, okay, yes, Friday night was good. Okay, Saturday. By Saturday night, it's like, okay, we're all really in this. Like you're really focused. <laughs> Did you feel that sort of thing at the cabin? Like, okay, we're by the by the, the second day or something, like, okay, we're really in this now. We you can- know, we're all like, we're all pretty serious people. Um, as goofy and stupid as we are, yeah. <laughs> we're all very much like driven, very professional, very like serious people when it comes to music. Um, so we were just on. We were just ready from the get-go. And uh, we the only thing we did was stay in that cabin. We didn't, like, go out on a hike. We didn't... Really? Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think we, we went to dinner the first night we were there at a Mexican restaurant. That was amazing. <laughs> really? Yeah. Like, down in the middle of this holler, just this, like, fantastic Mexican restaurant. <laughs> just chilling there. <laughs> it was so good. It was so good. Um, but that's we just stayed in the cabin. That's all we did. We were focused and we were ready to go. Cause we also, we, that's the one thing about, um, 
I value my friendship with these guys so much, but we also, we really value each other from a professional standpoint as far as valuing each other's time and each other's talent. And, um, that's nice. That fucking yeah. really, that's really nice for a band. I, th- yeah, not, not, you're not assholes to each other and disrespectful. We, we both under, or I say we both, there's three of us. We all understand that as much as this is a creative endeavor and, uh, and a unit of friendship, this is a business and it's a professional endeavor. And part of the reason we work so well together is because like, like I said, I have an art background, so I design all yeah. of our merch. Benji oh, has a uh, photo and videography background. So he does uh, a lot of our music video stuff, our uh, photo promotional stuff. Um, Jared has a background in uh, web design and uh, other kind of like marketing aspects. So uh, he's been, really uh, instrumental in doing some of our marketing as well as uh, designing our website. So we really value each other's professional talents uh, as well as we just really enjoy hanging out with each other. That is like the trifecta (laughs) of the trio. (laughs) Yes, it is. Like having all those like separate skill sets. You have to. You have to. When you're like a, when you're a, when you're like a grassroots movement. Yeah. You got to do it all. Yeah. And that is one thing that, you know, creatives don't always make the best promoters or advertisers or things like that. So um, we're all three very different types of creatives. And I think that allows us to think a little bit more outside the box and kind of fill in the gaps for each other. Um, But, you know, it's a lot to ask of artists and bands nowadays to be everything all at once. Yeah, you literally have to be like the... So I was just talking to somebody about this, about booking bigger shows. Mm-hmm. And she's like, well, I mean, if you don't have, like, it's just, I mean, some of the bigger festivals, like if you don't have a hundred thousand plays minimum on your, on your music on Spotify, like yeah. they just, they're not even going to pay attention. No, to they you. don't care. Yeah. Which I, which, okay. I get now being on this side for a while on the other side, it's like, they have to sell a fuck ton of tickets. It's a business. Like, you know, this is an entertainment industry. Yeah. And they need numbers to back up yeah. what you got i mean it's like it is it sucks because it, that that does mean that it's not solely based on the quality of the work yeah. or the musicians it's like well this person uh, has a fuck ton of views on you know and a million instagram followers they're getting the slot i mean but it's, they just have more value to the yeah promoters and to the booking agents and and yeah i understand that there's totally like the only thing that gets me with some of that is there's barriers that to get to those, you know, hundred thousand plays or whatever you're looking at, you have to get on these Spotify uh, playlists that are curated and whoever pays the most gets to be at the top of that curation list, you know, whether they get picked or not, you know, so it's, there's still barriers that even though they may seem democratic in some aspects, they totally are not. Um, yeah, it's not a coincidence that Taylor no. Swift's new album is on the top of every goddamn <laughs> playlist across Spotify. I got on like New Music Friday or, or uh, Top Hits or something when her album first came yeah. out. I was at a restaurant. Oh, I was at Full Moon with uh, my wife and son. Oh, yeah. I got viscerally heated. I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck? It's like five of her songs are in the top 10. I'm like, yeah. Chloe, how is anybody supposed to compete with this shit, you know? <laughs> Wait, but it's like, I understand. 
okay, I get it. Yeah, I get to be it. fair, it's the biggest Taylor. name in music, probably, you yes, know. Yes, <laughs> yes. And she releases her record. Yes. Everybody already knows about it. Like, it's good for Spotify. Yes, it is. Spotify's like, yeah, but everybody's listening to our playlist right now because she's in the top. You know, it's like, okay, I get it. Everybody's winning out the there. The woes but like, and complaints of the independent artists. Yeah, you know? exactly. Boo hoo hoo us. I know. I know. <laughs> but it's, and it's like, okay, you know, all right, whatever. But, it is easier. I was just talking to somebody about this over the weekend. I'm like, it's easier to get started. The barrier to entry as any, yeah. at a, as a creative, you could literally, if you have GarageBand on your iPhone, you could literally make a multi-track song. Yeah, you can make a your, record. Yeah, a full record on your iPhone, on your iPod, whatever, iPhone. Put iPod. Hi, <laughs> old. They even make those How damn things. <laughs> 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 but put it on YouTube or wherever. You know, it's like you could do it all for free. Or yeah. The price of your phone. But then it's also really hard to poke through the noise. It is. And like sometimes you get lucky and stuff happens, but sometimes it's... Well, and as much as we want to praise the... Uh, all the wonderful independent artists that we know, there's a lot of garbage. Uh-huh. There's a lot of shit out there that you have to weed through to get to the good stuff. Um, and it's totally out there. Agree. The I good totally stuff agree. is totally out there, but I know a ton of people who make absolute like stinky ass garbage music. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that, you know, we're all on the same platform is just something that we have to accept. Yes, exactly. It's tough, but you, it's a, pill you gotta swallow it is it is and like i mean at the end of the day that's what i i I don't know i feel like i do this even though i don't really make that much money yeah i just but it's like what else am i gonna do this is what i want to do you know Mm -hmm. and it's like as a band it's 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 like this everybody's in the same fucking boat unless you're not unless you're in like the big boat yeah. <laughs> like okay but most of us aren't i'm in my little dinghy in you yeah know? yeah me too i got a little canoe floating around but <laughs> but it's like i like it i i mean i would love for this all this shit to grow into i'm working to get more you know more successful and i want to grow the bands i help and i want to help anybody that i come across in the area but like i also I don't know, like, I don't know what your thoughts are on this, but, like, I've gotten a lot of, not flack, but, like, not encouraging feedback for a reason, I think, that, that is, that what I'm building isn't going to work if it stays in Evansville, because it's not been done before, really, where, like, someone build something in indiana yeah that's this type of music i think and it goes somewhere you know i mean aren't we all out to see what the next nashville or what the next austin or what Mm -hmm. the next anything's gonna be you don't know yeah you really don't and um i think you know evansville has a lot of things going for it that could make it something to where we could be a one of those like second third tier kind of cities if we want to and if we try to grow it yeah um it will take a lot of work and it doesn't have the infrastructure to do it yet i will say but um i think yeah the the way you get to those hubs of creativity and artistry that seem to pop out quote unquote out of nowhere is from a lot of people doing the groundwork to make that city uh, a thriving place um over years yeah it it isn't something that happens overnight as much as we want to you know 
the, whenever the biopic comes out of Wally Opus Records, yeah, um, you'll want to you'll want to have a scene where it seems like everything happened overnight, right? Um, but that's not you know that's not the way it is. It's uh the quotes or the sayings like overnight success ten years in the making for real like for real. Yeah. Um, I recently like found out that like one of my favorite artists, Wolf Alice. Um, okay. They are a, a band that's super popular out of the UK, and they've been in the industry for I think like decades now but I only discovered them I think like five years ago so for me I I was like oh man this band is like amazing and they came out of nowhere no they didn't they've been yeah. making music for a really long time and I was just oblivious to it because I wasn't on my radar yeah um sorry I keep burping that's all right I get it um but yeah I I mean I think kind of going back to the boat analogy as cheesy as this sounds like when all of us are like in our different boats and they're small and they got holes in them like at the end of the day we really love to just like be on the water yeah and that's what we want to do yeah that's a good is point. we want we just want to keep doing it regardless of like the situation so i think if you know if evansville or whatever small city it is um is the place where you find the most creative unity and like artistic co collaboration then it's the place for it you know that's the place that you should be developing and making what you need to make um i talk about this all the time of <laughs> when i'm uh chatting with my parents of course of like what's the next move and what's the yeah. you know because of course you know you're in your i'm in my 20s and i want to you know make sure i'm doing everything to get 30 flirty and thriving or whatever the fuck you got to do by 30 or else you die or yeah, something. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, cause of course that's what happens is you turn 30 and you keel over. Yep. Um, that's right. <laughs> but when I'm having these conversations, um, I talk a lot about how much I value the, the band and how value of an asset, uh, Jared and Benji are to me and to the unit that we create together. Yeah. And that's not something I want to lose. So I think, yeah, it's any city, you can make it work. You really can. Um, if the people who are creating and, you know, making this net and the structure underneath are willing to do it. Yeah. And there's that desire. That desire is out there. You see this push lately um, and you see these great bands who are willing to do it with each other, mm -hmm. you know, not just single solo acts who are willing to do it with whoever behind them. Yeah. Um, it's very much the bands I know are very tight knit units around here. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think the whole like Evansville isn't the place to do it is just something by somebody who you ask them their next piece of advice and it's to move to New York. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And really. I mean, what's funny is the next person who I was talking to his piece of advice was to move to Nashville. Yeah. Yeah. Which uh, of course, but like, that's the thing. I didn't go to Nashville in the first place because everybody's in Nashville. Well, and we we reflect the art and experiences of our location and where we grew up. And, you know, the art that we make here, it connects to people who are from this region mm -hmm. and who understand when you reference these cultural things that might not be referenced elsewhere. Um, of course, anybody can listen to your music and connect with it. That's not what I'm saying. But, um, you know, I, th I think there is something of value for respecting the people who are around you to say, I am making this for you. 
and to connect with you because you're the people I interact with every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I think we need to have a, a respect for the people who we are around all the time and want to have conversations with, even if they're hard conversations, you know, even if it's political or whatever yeah. of your disagreement, whatever it may be, um, you know, respect your neighbors enough to want to talk to them and try to figure things out and make art to develop your area. Yeah. Like that's something I was talking to with a friend is he is a high level painter and he lives in Evansville, but like, he's like, I can't, but he works with people outside of outside the country now. But like he was saying, I've tried he's been in Evansville for three years. He's like, I've tried to reach out. I've tried to get involved with like people, but like, it's just like, I just don't know if it's like for me, like the community. And I was like, and I told him, we talked about this a couple of times, but I'm like, I think it's just like when you're, when you're here, people don't recognize. It's just like, you're like, what you're from here. Like, yeah, I'm from here. So that doesn't make you special or like, it doesn't like, why should we take you serious or, or something like that. But um, I just think it takes a couple people to help build up some sort of community of like, like of what we're talking about, of, what, of what's already sort of, I feel like it is happening uh, yeah. at some level. Like there's people, it like takes that diverse, like, okay, there's people on like the business side of things who are like willing to put up money to rent venues and do stuff and put promotion on it but then there's the artists who are like going to take it really serious and try to promote it themselves and then like it, it's just like this uh community of people that begin forming and i mean like i fucking like evansville a lot <laughs> like i love living here it's great i mean my like my mom's in poseyville so she's not that far chloe's family's all over evans you know yeah. the west side so like and it's not that expensive. You kind of know people here. I like living <laughs> here. You know, we just got to pull it all together. Yeah. You know? Well, and you know, I th- just because you want to stay in a certain area doesn't mean you can't branch out. Doesn't mean you can't go play shows in other cities, etc. Um, but yep. you know, there's nothing wrong with having a home base that isn't a gigantic hub. Um, that is still a, a nurturing and welcoming environment. That yeah. is totally something. Those things are not mutually exclusive. You don't have to choose. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, especially today, we have the internet, and that was like a huge, huge reason I felt like I could come home and still do yeah. this. Was like we have the internet. Like I don't know what else. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Now it does help. Like I'm going to Nashville tomorrow, so it does help to live close to Nashville or like these For other sure. cities to like access the resources. But I, I like for a while I was thinking I need to move to Nashville and I still don't know if I, I don't know what's going to go down in the next yeah. couple of years, but I keep having this small voice in the back of my mind. That's like, maybe you don't need to go to Nashville. Maybe <laughs> you can like stay and keep building it here. And like, cause you just don't know. I just, like you said, you have no idea what's happening next. And Nashville's saturated as fuck. Everybody, yeah. every every third person you meet does something in the music. Maybe mm-hmm. even every other, you know. Yeah, the person who person. makes your coffee in the morning is a wicked, like, chicken picking player yeah. and can absolutely play circles around you Yeah, and you tipped him a single dollar. Yes. Like, that's, yes. you know. That is the level down, which is also, it's like, okay, but then there's that level 
uh, there's something to be said about that level of um, skill and I guess competition to a degree where like, okay, then that means you have to be pretty damn good to oh yeah to hang out around here to be around here. So the level of work goes up, I guess. But I don't know. I don't know. I think it's it just also snuffs out a lot. a lot of people uh, kind of early in their journey, which is you know yeah like for better or for worse. It's like yeah you know sometimes it is. Sometimes you do have to be pushed to a different path. And I understand that as far as this being your job, yeah, you know, yeah. um, you can always have music in your life and it not be your job. Yes. Um, but there are also some people that they just need the right resources and, you know, it would be the thing that like the nation needs, whatever that, you know, there, I feel like there are people who get the shit into the stick sometimes way too early in their in their start to things. Yeah, yeah. I know. And like, that's what, uh, something I've thought about recently too is like, when I was like 19 or 20, I thought that, okay, I'm going to do this music thing and I have to like make it by next year or the yeah. year after or else like, I, I got to I gotta get like a real job. Like I got to find, <laughs> I got to figure something out. But then you really, like you go, you get down the line and it's like, no, I think I'm going to keep going on the whole music thing and I'll just get like a day job and then, and then sometimes you don't have to have a day job and you get to make music, but then you got to go back. To, but it's like, what? This is the journey, man. Like, I think you also, is, yeah, you realize at some point in time that there, yes, there is a place where you can find success and it be a stable like. If you're if your only concern is like monetary stability, yes, there is a place where you can quote unquote make it. Yeah. But really, there is there is never a point if you are a true curious and like in like you want to investigate everything kind of creative person there is no make it there is no end goal there are you know wonderful points of success along the way that you get to celebrate and honor but there is never a point where like i That's hope it. i hope there's never a point where i'm just completely satisfied yeah i yeah. hope i am like absolutely hungry for information for the rest of my life that's all i want that's awesome that and that curiosity that like need to keep going that's but i feel like that's a lot of times what happens to somebody who then who then success whatever that might look like for them comes at some point you know yeah. like it it they cross paths of this person who just keeps on the path and then something else happens and boop you know yeah you're ready to rock i would but, always yeah i would always rather be you know hungry and more like you know uh, the the biggest fear in my life is that i get bored yeah yeah <laughs> because i am someone who is like never bored i'm always maybe this is a little too much information i'm always talking to myself um of having <laughs> conversations with myself yeah, I, I do too yeah um yeah the last thing i want to do is run out of things to say yeah i that is so true like when you when 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 the uh when the ideas stop coming yeah. or like that will be a really, I hope it doesn't ever happen to you or to me. Like, cause I like, for example, sometimes I wake up and I'm, I got nothing going on in my <laughs> head. There's just, it's like, it's just like nothing's going on. It's just like, not even static. It's just like a blank picture. I and then like something happens in the morning or like, yeah. like I'll go, to, like I've been going to yoga at yoga one mm -hmm. I'll get out of yoga and I'll sit in my car and it's just like, like flooded with ideas. And I'm like, yeah, like, you know, get my, like I use notes yes. too and voice memos and it's like, just da -da 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 -da. like, I don't ever want that to end. If, no. if, I, if it became down between that and being 
uh, like, uh, I want to say, uh, not successful, but if it came between that and like, I had to give that up to gain something else that I think I want, I would stick with the ideas. Like, I never want that to go away. If it was yeah. that or, you know, you get to be the biggest producer out, I don't know. But it's like, you keep that. As long, if I You can't though. Ideas. That's the, see, that's the trick though. It's like, I don't, I, I, well, at least I hope that like the biggest producers and the people out there who are most, most successful, like, I hope that they're curious and I hope that they, I you think know, they are. I would hope so. Yeah, I think they are. <laughs> okay, let's uh let's jump let's jump to um let's jump to I have one segment in the show. Okay. It's called Don't Think, Just Act. I will try. Okay, so I'm gonna say a name, a term, uh an idea, question. Say the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay, I will try my best. Okay. First up, Cameron Nosco. Oh, friend. <laughs> friend. I, I forget uh, how I brought your name up to Cam once. <laughs> she's like, she's my best friend. Yes. That's what she said. I'm, like, I'm surprised she didn't yeah. say, that's my mom. <laughs> because she is she is me and my partner's child. Okay. Uh, even though I think she's older than me. <laughs> but uh, she's awesome. my child. She's that's my great. friend. Cam's great. She's a. I love her so deeply. She's a light in the world's darkness even when it's not dark she's a light of another absolutely beautiful and um like a- amazing creative that we have here in the area mm-hmm. that i have been blessed to meet so it's yeah. awesome okay next one uh as a more guitar member yes uh what what is your guitar brand of choice slash model of choice if you got specific fender telecaster with? Fender Telecast. Is that uh, what you play? No. <laughs> <laughs> but it's what you like. Uh, well, on stage, I have I have a Reverend Club King 290, okay. which is, it is my perfect guitar. And I do love Reverend, but Fender's my brand forever. It's, I always have a Tele in my collection at all points in time. Uh, one of my like first guitars and I will have, I will own a Tele till the day I die. I love it. Do you, do you have a lot of guitars? Yes. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. I kind of assumed you were going to... Too many. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, most memorable moment performing live? Uh, Parks Fest uh, solo, which I know I said I hate playing solo. Um, I saw that photo on your Instagram back in the... Yeah. A couple years ago. But for to have a, uh, a lawn full of people listening to you intently to what you have to say, what a beautiful moment. And to be involved in uh, such a great organization as Parks Fest, um, wonderful, it's great awesome. all all around. It's awesome, love it. Uh, favorite album or oh wait, sorry, favorite album all time. Oh my god! If you had one, oh. <laughs> that's hard. Um, or or artist. Wolf Alice, Visions of a Life. I need to listen to that. You should. Here, we'll text about it later. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, a song you recently fell in love with. Um, Rilo Kylie's um, "The Good That Won't Come Out." Ooh, I like the title. Send me that one too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just gonna make you do your homework. That's yeah, <laughs> good. Uh, dream gig. What's your dream gig? Oh God. Um, Let's call it performing live. 
opening up for Haley Williams on her solo tour that's never going to happen because it was supposed to happen over COVID and then all of the shows got canceled. Opening up for her at Headliners in Louisville. Oh, really? Because I love that place. I'm going there on, uh, let's see, not this Saturday, well, whatever's after Thanksgiving. We're going to go to a little show there. I, I've never been there. Oh, so. it's lovely. It's I'm such excited. a great place to see a show. It's awesome. maybe not my like... I don't know. It's just my favorite. So it feels, I feels like it would just feel like home. I love it. Do you think if she went on tour, she would play there? I don't know. It's a pretty, it's a, it's a large, it's a semi large venue. Okay. I saw group love there. So. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty sweet. Okay. Uh, I like that answer. Opening up for Haley Williams solo tour. (laughs) Current. Well, we kind of already talked about this, but what is one word that comes to mind current state of the evansville music scene seedling yeah yeah that's a good word okay uh someone in music that you look up to um hannah from group love she is a prolific and very talented artist okay who also happens to be in probably one of the biggest indie rock bands of all time like currently still making music i want to say i maybe saw a group love one time you know like when you go to a festival sometimes you like yeah. stumble across a big band but you're like i don't even know i can't remember if that was them or not but yeah i want to say maybe but that's cool what's her name again her name her first name is hannah i forget her okay. last name but uh yeah to have to look up to somebody who has such a wonderful balance of both art and music and family and you know community creativity like she just seems like she of course she probably has her own problems but she seems like she has it all together in a a really like wonderful work-life balance love it love it uh hannah evelyn trio five years from now what's it look like My answer was about to be so cringy. I was about to go, Mr. Worldwide. (laughs) 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 No, no. Um, Still together. Still the same unit. Um, Hopefully, Jared still has a mullet. Um, uh, But still close friends who love each other and love working with each other. That's all I want for us. Awesome. So you don't care what happens as long as that is at the center. Yeah. Those are my family. Those are my brothers that I never asked for. Love it. You didn't ask for them, but you got them. Unfortunately. (laughs) Okay. You, okay. You get the chance to hang out for one evening doing whatever you like to do with one person dead or alive. Who would it be? My partner, Justine. I love her so much. I would spend every night with her awesome doing whatever love it see that the next part was why but i think i understand yeah love love. it's love (laughs) all right uh so i just i want to say from not personally knowing you but knowing of you for several years and seeing you around i feel like you're truly a staple of the of the evansville music scene i think you have a very important role i was thinking about this earlier that I haven't worked with very many female artists in Evansville. Yeah, there's not uh, a lot of us. Yeah, there's not. We're so there, I feel like, but yeah, that I will. Cu- a couple have come across my radar. We just haven't done anything yet in the studio. But um, 
I feel like you hold an important role and you do it very well. Thank so you. yeah, I want to commend you on that. And then um, where do people, if you, if people want to follow you, what's the best Instagram or. Yeah. Instagram's great. Facebook's great. Um, mm. And you know, we're on Spotify, iTunes, all the places, but I think all of our social medias are Hannah Evelyn music. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Hannah Evelyn music. And do you have anything coming up that people need to look out for the record or shows or anything? What's, what's happening? Uh, we play a show at your brother's bookstore in December. Okay. Um, I can actually find the exact date. Yeah. Who's that show with? Um, Corduroy Orbison. Oh, cool. Yeah. We love the Corda boys. Yep. Zach and the boys. Yes. Um, we are December 11th at your brother's bookstore. Okay. Next next like a month <laughs> from now yeah it's like a month from now it's on a sunday um so it's supposed to be kind of a you know again looking at non-traditional uh environments and uh venues yeah they've been having a lot of shows there yeah if you i've uh, never have, even been there if you've always wanted to, to step into a tiny desk show then go out and support some local artists Ooh. yeah it'll yeah, be that, that vibe sounds cool that sounds cool okay uh Thank you, Hannah, thank you. for doing the show. Any closing remarks for anybody listening? Uh, thank you for having me and support local. Love it. All right. Thank you guys for listening. This has been Mining in the Foothills, and we'll see you next week. Boom, 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 boom.